Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Phil Lawson-Shanks, the Chief Innovation Officer at Aligned. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Andy. <laughs> I got the yeah. time right. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, let's start every podcast with this now about me not knowing what time it is. I need to change my uh, change my script, I think. Anyway, it's great to have you on. Obviously, I had um, Andrew Chapon from Aligned before. You know, I really, I'm a big fan of your business and it's great to obviously get you on to learn a bit more about your role, about your career, and also, you know, delving a little deeper to some of your new facilities and developments that you've got in the pipeline. Before we start, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself and just let everyone know who you are and what you do at Aligned? Sure. Thank you. I'm Phil Lawson-Shanks. I'm the Chief Innovation Officer at Aligned. I've been here about two and a half, almost three years, and uh, been in, in the industry for longer than I want to talk about. Um, obviously, I, I don't sound American. I, I moved over to the States uh, back in the mid-90s uh, when I worked at Compaq Computer. Um, they moved me over to, to run a couple of things in their main head office in Houston. And... Uh, Stayed here ever since, became an American citizen uh, and just literally moved around. Uh, since then, I've done a lot of turnarounds and startups. Um, that's what I enjoy doing, uh, looking at uh, the potential of technology and, and seeing how the market's shifting, the needs are changing from our, uh, the client's perspective, how people are using technology, all the thing, all of that. That just really excites me. So um, a couple of years ago, I was uh, working at a, um, a data center company. We, we built data centers all over the place. I mean, we, we built them so quickly for all manner of people, changing how the internet operates. But it became apparent that one of the gating factors that was going to hit us was our ability to cool the infrastructure. Because the way technology is changing all the time, it's just getting smaller and faster and requiring more energy. So as a consequence of that, the manufacturers are putting more of it down on the same platform. So you're needing more power to come to the, the servers. And that, that's fine. You can always bring more power to a, a rack, but removing the heat, that's going to be the gating factor. So in my last job, I was uh, looking around at different technologies. Um, I saw some of the things that Aligned had invented. And uh, um, Andrew and I wrote a, a conference together. And uh, it just became, I, I saw the opportunity and talked to him about a funding model. And it just seemed like this was the, 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 the rocket ship that was going to take the industry to the next level. So, and we can talk a bit about that if you like, as we go through. Yeah, exactly. No, it's interesting. I wanted to touch on, obviously, you're moving from the UK to US just quickly, because a lot of people ask me that question. I know it was, you know, you say you moved within a company, but was it an easy process and, you know, would you recommend it if, if other people get that opportunity? Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, growing up in England, um, most of the TV we watched was American. So you, you feel like it's the same. You, you, you know, you just turn up here. and um, But it's, it's really quite different. Um, the, I mean, you, we speak almost the same language. In fact, I sound more British now than I did when I came here, just to be understood, particularly moving to Texas. That was a challenge, not for me, but for people yeah. I worked with. Yeah, so everything's a bit slower, a bit more articulate, or I try to be. Um, yeah, it's 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 a fun experience. Um, I mean, frankly, I always wanted the the Brady Bunch house with the double doors and, and that sunken living room. I've never got that, but um, 
it's it's very easy to live in America. I like it. And what I do enjoy is um, just the, the can-do attitude. There's, there's no real glass ceiling. Um, well, there is, but, you know, relatively speaking, if you, if you push hard and work hard, you can achieve you know, whatever you want to achieve. Uh, and I enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage anyone to do it. I'm not looking at brain drain from the, from the UK. A lot of friends and family still there. But uh, I do enjoy working here and living here. Uh, it's just interesting to get the view of someone that's done it because I say a lot of people do ask me so I just thought quickly touch on that point really from um, from your role now obviously you, you're in innovation and I'm quite interested in a lot of people I know a lot of listeners are fascinated by the technology that that's coming into the industry it's quite interesting to know how you keep up to date with the innovation in the industry because from my perspective it's evolving so fast it must be difficult to actually keep pace and also to create that innovative technology. Yeah, it's, uh, well, I have no life, really. That's the, that's the the basis of it. I spend all my time reading and listening to podcasts, yours, yours in particular. Um, and yeah, you just got to keep up to date because the thing is, uh, and, you know, I do some mentoring as well. And the nice thing about our industry is whenever you get in, obviously there's, um, institutional knowledge that you might not have, but things change so quickly give it six months and you can be an expert in your field if it's a narrow field, but just, it, it's very easy just to jump in and then just grow as long as you pay attention and you don't come with any preconceived ideas. That's, that's the big thing. And you look at it as everything is, you look at the potential of what things can, can bring. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy what I do. I, I get a chance to play with new technologies and think, think big thoughts and sometimes get them into bring them to fruition. And I, was, I interviewed uh, Jim from Nautilus last week, mm. and he was saying about the innovation from other industries and bringing that into the data center sector. And he really enjoys that element to say to people, there is a solution for that already. It's just you've not brought it into the data center sector. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah, they, with their, their cooling there, um, uh, the way they use the, uh, the hydro cooling, which is interesting. Yeah, and that's, that's always the... The case, so we, we're always looking at different ways of, of doing things. Um, one of the big things that we're looking at now is that our customers are, are quite different, you know, hyperscale or people that behave as a hyperscale. So there's a you know, high density uh, compute and selling as a wholesaler. So we we don't get involved in in their gear specifically, but the kind of information that they require from from providers like us is just going through the roof because they really want to see their suites or their buildings in our, our portfolio as part of their infrastructure. So we're having to invent new ways of monitoring and measuring and, and delivering specific data feeds to them in particular um, ways that they can consume it instantly and seamlessly as part of their whole single pane of glass for all of their portfolio. So yeah, so we're always looking outside of the industry, well I am, for, for new ways of doing things. And uh, it, it's great. I, I love I love what I do. I'm having the best time of my life. Yeah, and it sounds like you're in a great company as well for innovation, which is one thing I took from prior to my conversation with Andrew, but from the outside looking in was that Aligned is a really innovative and forward-thinking company. Mm. And I guess for your role, that's exactly what you need, isn't it? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, just then we can touch on on the cooling. That's, that's what really um, excited me. The ability to, I mean, if you, you see a data center uh, and most um, 
most companies that, that consume our product, they have a stamp, you know, they have the way they lay out their floor. They, you know, they have all the, the hot gear in the middle and it goes progressively cooler at the edges because of the way uh, airflow moves under the floor. But we don't have any of that issue. Um, and also they, they typically have to fill their racks up halfway because it's not a question of bringing more power in. You can always do that, but it's removing the heat. But the way we've designed or the company designed the cooling infrastructure, the Delta Cube, you know, you could have three kilowatts next to 50 kilowatts or, you know, anything mixed capacity and just grow as you need to, which I think is, is going to have to be the way people think in the future. Um, and there are lots of different ways you can do it that people have rid or heat exchangers and blue to the chips and things like that. But that, that becomes exotic and messy and expensive. So that, that's really why I came here. But again, it's, they created this technology. Um, this is the second iteration of that. So it's not a case of we've done it, we'll sit back. We're constantly innovating and tweaking and changing and, and optimizing uh, as we see um, what our customers need and monitoring what they're doing. Um, and all that data goes into a data lake. We pass that off. I, I hesitate to use the, the phrase digital twin, but that's where we're going. The, the concept that we're building is we can analyze how a particular customer uses our platform uh, over a period of time based and we can pull in weather data and, and all that kind of stuff. So we can have data-driven design criteria for when we're doing a build to scale for them, when we're building something specifically for them in a particular area with a particular weather pattern. Um, so it's, this is the stuff that really excites me, having that deep analytical view of, of what's going on rather than just yeah, slinging some some UPSs and gens and and building a building and standing back and just taking the money. I always find it quite ironic when you talk about using the data to develop the data center industry. It seems yeah. obvious, doesn't it? But it's, it's where a lot of the conversations go. Um, obviously, that brings us on quite nicely to some of your you know the new facilities that that you're op that you're opening at the moment. And I know you guys have been like most people manic over the last 12 months opening and starting to build new facilities. But I thought we just touched on your, your Chicago project. Um, so you just recently broken ground on it, I believe. Mm -hmm. So do you want to just give a brief overview of what that facility is and the importance yeah, of it sure. to your portfolio? Yeah. Well, Chicago has always been on our list. It's uh, in fact, JLL uh, put out a, uh, um, a report last year, which is available on their website. And they said that Chicago is the, the second uh, data center market in the world, second to Ashburn. Um, and there's a lot of factors around that. It's, you know, uh, there's some great tax rebates, there's lots of land, um, a lot of power, and also it's very rich network presence. Um, obviously, you know, there's CERMAC down in downtown, which was historically, you know, it's, a, it's a huge point of presence. But as um, platform providers like ourselves have moved further out, uh, around Elk Grove, around uh, O'Hare Airport, basically. Um, and when you when you look at a place to build, you're always looking for power. Power is the the, the first point. Um, network is a close second. You need the both, but you can always bring network to where you are. But power is is predominant. And around airports, around large industrial facilities, that's how the the power distribution companies have set their their you know their their infrastructure to bring that down. So. Uh, we looked at this market. Um, there was a piece of land that, that became available um, because of our funding model with uh, our backers. It gives us a lot of flexibility. We can make big bets like that. 
So uh, the, the land parcel was, um, it was basically the printing location for the Chicago Tribune. And obviously their, their market shifted a little bit. Um, so when it came to the point where they, they moved out in May, we bought the land in April. Um, so it's really, it's a, a brownfield site, uh, although we didn't use the building. We've just, we've taken the building out. Most brownfields, you repurpose the building. Um, we're as opposed to a greenfield, which is literally a greenfield and you, you start from scratch. But this is nice because there's utility there. We don't have to worry about bringing in all of that, uh, you know, the sewer, the water and the power. And there's, a, there's a, an abundance of power from two really close substations. So we've got over 100 megawatts of capacity power. And also just at the curb, it's one of the major routes uh, or routes, I should say, I've, I've got to switch back, um, of, of networks. So we've got 12 primary network carriers, literally just at the curb of the property. So we've got lots of capacity to grow there. And um, our build process is, is rapid. So you can expect that, that building to be up before the end of the year. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that because obviously building during a pandemic, and I know you've been building as well, and the, the way you build is slightly different, I guess, to, to some of the other developers. Do you want to, can you elaborate on that sort of how, you, how your process works? Yeah. So um, actually, it's just when I joined the company, we, we had a meeting and uh, it was one of the board meetings and we were looking at uh, um, how we could accelerate. You know, we were looking at um, things that were going to stop or make it hard for us to accelerate. And one of the, the big items was supply chain, because if you, if you look at the market, the hyperscalers are growing like crazy and they're, they're buying up the capacity from the, the generation, uh, the generator providers, the UPSs, switchgear, all of that. So uh, we basically went ahead and, and pre-bought 50 megawatts of capacity from all of those providers. We, we set up a, a very specific supply chain. We went and, and wrote a check to all of them. So they hold for us in inventory, just for us, 50 megawatts of generators, 50 megawatts of UPSs and PDUs and switchgear, all of that stuff, that long lead item equipment. Uh, and a lot of it, uh, whatever we can, we put in containers. So they're UR listed containers, underwriters labs containers. So we can just ship them within two or three days from wherever they are in the country to wherever they need to be and just plug them in and commission them and go. So it gives us the ability to bring up you know, 12 megawatts, 12 megawatt blocks in, in just a matter of days. So looking back to last year when everything, the world changed, everyone started working from home, you know, what we're doing here, um, exploded, and uh, um, you know, the hyperscalers had to you know, carry on. They had to build more infrastructure. So, any capacity that was available, they just gobbled up, or at least they tried to. Um, but if it was unfinished capacity, um, then that was the issue. It was just getting hold of those components. So, as an example, um, there's a particular piece of equipment, a PD, which is almost a big transformer. It steps down the the voltage from the utility down to make it usable on the data center floor. And there's, there's several, several big companies that make really good equipment, but there are a couple of key components that they all use. And those are being manufactured in, in the uh, America's market. And a couple of those factories were offline because of COVID. So they had bits of it, but they couldn't fulfill the whole order. Whereas we had all of that in inventory. So it enabled us to, just to continue to, to build for our customers. Um, and also um, a, another big point that we did, uh, we, we had a big construction project in Ashburn 
And uh, at one point we had over 600 people, trades and whatever, working in the building at the same time. So with our um, general contractor, we initiated a, a process where they all had tags on them. They worked in groups of three. But we basically did contact tracing. They were um, we were able to work out where they were in the building. So if one of them fell sick, the other two immediately left the property and went and got tested, where we could trace where they'd been and who they've been in contact with, so that we carry on building. So it's lots of things. I mean, we, we're very safety conscious, environmentally conscious is our big focus. But the ability to adapt and give our customers what they want, not just like one size fits all. We, we build according to their requirements and very, very quickly. Yeah, and was Chicago on the back of existing demand or was it a strategic move for you? Well, a bit of both. Um, Chicago's uh, a very strategic position. Um, that It really came about about ooh, five, six years ago when the hyperscalers, if you think back when, when we all started uh, transitioning to using the cloud for mailer messaging and things like that, Prior to that, the hyperscalers were building massive buildings out where land was cheap, power was cheap, you know, in the Dalles, North Carolina, places like Ohio. Um, but latency became a key issue. If all your, your files are off somewhere else or your, your calendar notices are, you know, if the latency is too long, then it causes issues. So they started building smaller, instead of like smaller, 60 megawatts small. Um, instances nearer places and Chicago was one of the, the key markets for them. So it's been a huge um, growth opportunity for all of the hyperscalers. And we've always had an eye on it, but we really were just waiting for the right location. We've looked at lots of properties in the past, but this one is just perfect for what we want. And uh, we're very close to a couple of other hyperscale data centers. So there's a good tethering story there to get uh, close proximity to their, whatever they're doing, whether it's uh, an AI or a mailer messaging or file servicing or whatever that is. Um, and, but yeah, so basically it's always been on the radar. It's a great market and, uh, and we're, we're moving ahead very, very quickly with it. Yeah, and is the, is the demand there now then? The customers are kind of coming oh, yes. in? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right time. And also, obviously, this year you completed your new facility in um, West Jordan, Utah, as well. Yes. What was it like? Because I assumed you opened that during the pandemic. So, what, what was it like opening the facility yeah. in that period? Well, again, it's interesting. So, we had to uh, change how we we interact with the clients. So, um, typically, the the buyers uh, within the the hyperscalers, in particular, or the large uh, large platform providers. Um, they they like to come and tour the site. They like to see that. So early on, we we started developing virtual tours. So you know you can sit at your screen. We we provide them access to. They can roam around a predefined uh, virtual space, uh, and we use some other technologies for our um, our construction teams where they're walking around every day, basically with a 360 camera stuck on their head, and it just captures uh, video. So we can go backwards and forwards in time, and see. You know how things are before the walls go up, if you know, when the pipes in. So that gives us um, almost like a, an interactive as-built that we can go through. And some of that data we share with the client. So if if a customer um, pre-secures a suite with us or a building, we can give them that level of visibility so they can see it coming up, uh, which they love, and they love to be able to you know, actually show their management, you know, where the site's going to be, what it looks like. Um, so yeah, we, we just had to change everything the way we we interact with them, but that's okay. They you know, it's 
it's selling like hotcakes. Have your have your customers evolved and adapted during the last twelve? Or are you still working with the same customers you were working with, sort of in twenty nineteen? Yeah, I think there's um there's still an interest in um, enterprise. Uh, we've got uh, quite a lot of large scale enterprise customers um, who want to have close proximity to the hyperscalers because there, there's a lot of them out there that they've got a particular piece of technology that runs their business. You know, you think over time. It way, way back when people were writing COBOL on, on faxes and things. There's still a lot of those out there, but the other parts of their workloads are all cloud-based. So they, they want to move some of their legacy technology close to these on-ramps or these, uh, these cloud providers. So we have a lot of customers like that, so they can just be a cross-connect away from whatever an engine that needs to be. Uh, and they, but they need, for whatever reasons, they they can't move the workload off yet, or there's compliance issues. They have to keep that piece of technology. So we have customers like that as well. Um, but for the most part, it's it's the hyperscale, it's the large platform providers, um, you know, and airlines and rideshare companies and people like that. What about the future for Align? Then are you looking at new regions within the US? For oh, new yeah. facilities? Yeah, we're always looking. Uh, we we have a team that are constantly out there looking at land parcels, working with the hyperscalers, you know, securing parcels of land, and then working with the municipalities and the the utility providers and network providers to to understand the feasibilities. Uh, because quite often, the, I mean, the hyperscalers like to build for themselves, absolutely. But um, uh, just because of how they build and they have a particular you know product that they they bring to market. Um, it, they have to go through a process, whereas we can we can you know, push forward and, and give them a footprint or a, you know, a landing landing zone in there much much faster. So we're you know we're constantly talking to them about the land we have, and uh, and you'll you'll see lots more dots on the map from us, um, not only in North America but in Europe as well. I'm sure I will. And is it becoming more and more competitive for land? Because that's something I'm hearing in in other regions that. As more developers, more hyperscalers are moving in, it is becoming a lot more competitive, particularly in the sort of centralized tier one hubs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's why we don't talk about the land we're looking at, because it, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we've got to keep a, a lock on that. But yeah, I mean, there's land is, is um, yeah, you can only use it once, basically. So, and there are, there are key markets uh, all around the world, there are key markets. It used to be um, around the, you know, those primary peering locations, um, you know, like London or, or Ashburn or Chicago, but it's, it's widening. Uh, the, the hyperscalers are driving that. Um, so we, our, our uh, lens is much broader. We, we look at all sorts of different parcels and uh, constantly working with them and also looking at how they're, they're deploying their networks as well. There's a lot of them own their own networks now. There's a lot of undersea cables that they're, they're part of consortiums with. So there's this this market is this and healthcare are the two big growth markets uh, on a global basis. And also healthcare is a great customer as well. I was just about to say that. I said and healthcare ties in quite nicely. You've seen a lot of um, sort of the data analytics behind the vaccine, haven't you? For example, yes. you know, I think that's helped paint a good picture of the industry as well. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's, it's something that's amazing when you, you know, be talking about innovation stuff. Uh, the machine learning aspect is, uh, 
is extraordinary that the stuff that's happening now. But again, with, with going back to the the platform, those machine learning tools are using GPUs, you know, a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of power, a lot of heat, uh, and that's that's where it lends itself to to our our cooling infrastructure and just the way we build. Uh, it just enables them to literally do you know a seven foot rack stacked to the gills with with lots of gear and just keep growing as they need to. Yeah, and that's the last thing I wanted to touch on, really, just sort of innovation, because obviously, you know, it's your role, so it yeah. makes sense. Um, the future of the industry, what, what do you think is going to come in that's really going to change it? Or, you know, is it, for example, the technology that you're creating and the, the next phase of it that's really going to have a massive impact on the industry? That's a really interesting question, because I think there's, there's lots of different threads that sort of come together. So 5G is interesting because it gives more capability to endpoints, whether it's something you carry in your pocket or something that's managing part of a supply chain or a factory. So, and there's going to be a, a lot more distribution of intelligence of, of devices. But again, there's, even if you're, you've got something running a, a manufacturing plant, they have to offload that data back to data centers um, so you're going to have lots of different types of data centers, whether they're edge, near edge, far edge, but still the, the big, um, the big transactional engines, and you're going to just see many, many more of them. Um, well, interesting things like Starlink, uh, you know, if we, if we do get to that point where we can, you know, we're going to have high capacity networks up and down, they've still got to go back to ground stations to actually get to the internet. So again, yeah, you're going to have more of that. I think Starlink announced recently, didn't they, that they're going to house them in Google data centers. I think that yeah. was the, yeah. Exactly, yeah. And there's uh, Microsoft have theirs, Amazon are, are trying theirs. So there's lots of different technologies. So it's really, if you look at the three elements, there's there's the consumption, or, you know, the, the transaction end in the data centers. You've got the communication, whatever that ends up being. And then you've got the endpoints. And things are changing so quickly there. Um, I do think that we're going to see um, some form of augmented reality glasses come back out. The Google Glass was uh, a bit early, um, and yeah, but Apple have talked about what they're doing. Um, you know, autonomous vehicles, all of that data gathering, um, it'll just offload it to to these big transaction engines. So we'll we'll just be uh, there'll be uh, a more seamless interaction between us and technology. You know, we carry our phones everywhere with us now. It's just going to get more and more. So to, to facilitate that, you need faster networks and you need processing and storage transactions much, much closer. And we'll get, again, to I hesitate to use the word three-tiered system, but you're going to see more of that. You're going to have that edge and then talking to you know, hub and spoke between big uh, transaction uh, utility buildings down to uh, smaller uh, distribution and execution devices. I guess the hardest part for companies like yourself is kind of being ahead of the technology developments, isn't it? It's, it's being able to provide that solution when that technology materializes or, or like autonomous cars, for example. Autonomous cars can't operate efficiently until the data center industry has come up with a solution for the data. Yeah, but so the, as they drive around, um, they're collecting so much data. The fidelity of the uh, the lidars and, and the cameras are enormous. So that's that's way too much to to beam back over five G. So they have to go to a location and actually offload that data, and then that goes up and gets transacted and calculated, and and eventually goes down to the next one, so that they know that 
there's roadworks or there's someone stuck up the road or, or something. So they're constantly getting better and better. Um, so yeah, 5G is great, but it, it's not good enough for that. Um, but there will be something else. I mean, give it a couple of years. Everyone, they're still now working on the next level of, of communication technologies. So, it, but in all of that, um, data centers are still going to be required. They're just going to look different in different places. Um, it might end up looking like a big fridge at the side of the road. Um, but regardless of that, they still need to have big compute farms. And uh, so that, that's what we're looking at. We're looking at facilitating all of those things. I guess they could bring back the, uh, the good old British red phone box. But, exactly. Yeah, that would be really cool to do that. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be loads of innovation around that, though, won't there? The actual design, because they are going to be there, and the design of yeah. it and how they integrate it into the environment is going to be quite a challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, over here, I, I don't know if it's the same in Britain, but there's a, there's a move uh, to make the uh, cell towers look like big fir trees over here. So there's a lot of them. So they just uh, you know, disappearing into the landscape. Um, but, and there's a lot of talk about putting, you know, trying to put um, edge data centers at the base of cell towers. Well, the networks don't really work that way. So you're not going to break the connection there to peer locally to serve content, but in close proximity, um, that makes sense. So, but yeah, it's an exciting time. It's really an exciting time. Um, and there's a, a whole bunch of new aircraft companies that are starting to spin up now. And just having you know, more communications and more processing capacity everywhere is going to be important. Yeah, definitely. And finally, from like an environmental perspective, obviously we kind of need to touch on it now, but it's becoming more and more to the fore in the industry that the media and the governments are talking about the environmental impact of data centers and what are we going to do to, to solve this problem. But what's your views on it? You know, what, what can the industry be better at to help? Yeah. I don't not necessarily solve the problem, but probably um, paint the picture better than how it does at the moment. Yeah, so that, and that's one of our cornerstones, environmental. And, and actually talking uh, about um, Chicago, going back to that, um, the technology we have to call, uh, as I say, it's, you know, we can call a lot more capacity with, and we do it without water. And that's an important aspect. Um, the that's energy- one of the main challenges, isn't it? Exactly, because uh, you know, the majority either use uh, a DX type cooling, uh, which uses an awful lot of energy to cool it. I mean, just huge amounts of energy with those compressors and those fans. Um, and it's, it's very inefficient. Uh, so if you think, if you look in a data center, you see those cracks or those crawls, um, well, they're, they're about 12, I've been here too long, I can't do the feet to meter. But anyway, so it's like 12 foot wide, you know, uh, six foot tall, four foot deep. And if you get that just right, you can probably call about 100, maybe 115 kilowatts of power from one of those. Um, our Delta Cube is four foot by four foot, and we stack them in an array of three. One of those four foot cubes does 146 kilowatts of power at a fraction of the energy, 80% less energy than that big device. Um, and we don't have to use waters. We're not using in Chicago. So we can cool at a, an exponential rate uh, with zero water. Uh, so much less energy, much, you know, put you know, no water or low water in some regions if we needed to. Um, our, the way we build is different. Uh, we're very, you know, everything we do is based on having uh, low impact to the environment. Um, it, yeah, everything we do. So I'm talking about energy. That, that's really important because uh, um, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a report saying that on the current trajectory, 
the data center market, which consume as much energy as India does by 2025. Well, that's it's gone beyond that now. So um, we've got to think very carefully about how we buy energy. And we, we work uh, in the regions with the, the green energy um, producers so we can provide that to our clients. Um, we're part of, I'm part of uh, the Renewable Energy Buyers Association. Um, everything that we do, we focus on um, the impact of what we, you know, the, the service that we're providing. Yeah, and I think you have to now, don't you? Because your customers demand it, which I think they is, do. is they key, do. isn't and, it? And the hyperscalers are really driving that. So, um, you know, they want to be carbon neutral uh, in the next 10 years. So we're, we're developing plans so we can, we can exceed that um, or we can bring that about first. But it's good because it, back in the early days that when the company was founded, it was founded on being the most environmentally sustainable data center platform on the market. But people really didn't care too much then. I mean, they did, but when it came down to it, brass tacks, they, you know, it was the cost that drove it. Uh, about two or three years ago, the uh, the green czars, the sustainability czars, not only were in the meeting and a seat at the table, but they they started getting veto over who they were going to use. So that's just accelerated the path for us. Um, so um, you know, we work with all those people. We we have forums with them. We set up private groups where we can go and talk about new technologies and new innovation, particularly around energy consumption and environmental impact. So it's, uh, it's, it's core to who we are. And you're ideally positioned in the industry. It's, it's kind of like right time, right place, isn't it? Your whole, it is. The whole concept of Aligned is just right for now, which is, it, and the future. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a perfect storm. That's probably a bad analogy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one we all use and a great way to end it. Before we finish up, there's one question I ask everybody on my podcast just to get their views. But if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data center industry, what would it be? Oh, send me an email and uh, and let's there go. There you go, an o- open offer. I think one you know, from that point, though, I think one thing I always say about people in this industry is everyone's happy to help. I think mean, if you do, you know, if you do reach out to people in the sector, then you know we all do want to help each other and try mm-hmm. and move forward as a sector, which is great. Yeah. It is. It's uh, even though we we fiercely competitive, um, we all get on very very well. Well, most of us. But uh, you know, we all get in very, very well. It's uh, it's a really nice, nice industry to be part of. Yeah, there's always the exception, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but we won't go into that. Anyway, I've really enjoyed that conversation. It's great to learn more about Alliance. As I say, I'm, I'm a big fan of the company. I think you're doing some great things, and it's it's you know great to hear from someone in your role about the new technology and about the technology you're using as well as learn a bit more about your your facilities. So really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us. Oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. This is fun. Thank you. Have a great day and we'll speak again soon. All right. Take care. Thank you. This Phil.